This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. We would like to begin today's show with an acknowledgement of something that may have befuddled some of you, our fellow ridiculous historians. Hi, I'm Ben. Hey, I'm Noel. What are you talking about, Ben? I'm talking, Noel, about the fact that we double oregon Yeah, that's true. On our quest to do one episode for every state in the U.S. It's almost like we haven't been really thinking this through. It's almost as if we were winging that one. It's true. Well, we we thought both stories regarding Oregon were interesting and important, Mm -hmm. uh, so much so that we didn't really decide which one was our official Oregon episode. So... We have two. Should we address right up front our double mispronunciation of the Malheur Wildlife (laughs) Reservation? (laughs) Casey, apparently you really uh, peed the bed on that one, my man. Well, I'm unclear on this because the comment, okay, so there's the way they say it there, which is the American way of saying it, which is quote unquote wrong if you're going by the French standard. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people are saying my French pronunciation was also off or No, I don't think they're saying that at all. And and I'm giving you a hard time, Casey. So, Um, so, but yes, by, by sort of saying that's how French people would say it, then you guys started saying it that way. And of course, that's never how it works out when an American city is named for some other right. country. So how, right. what's, the, what's the real way? What's, what's the real Oregonian way? 
It's like Malheur or something. I think yeah. the H is silent, right? Mal- Mal- I, I don't know. Mal- I, you know, Mal- I, I withdraw from this uh, discussion entirely. Those folks can pronounce it however they like. <laughs> okay, well, just to verify, we did find it. Noel, do you want to give it a shot? Yeah, hang on. Malheur. Malheur. Isn't that, isn't that, this is, that, yeah. Malheur. Well, it's just, it's just a different way of approaching it. And as we know, with proper nouns, pronunciation can be, you know, very much on a case-by-case basis and obey the rules of grammar and phonetics in absolutely no shape, fashion, or form. Malheur, Oregon. See? Forvo says it's Malheur. Malheur, Oregon. See? Uh, right, three different know, ways. Three different ways. Right. So, I don't know. Not to get a bee in our bonnet right up at the top of the show. Don't let uh, it get to you. I'm not going to let it get to you. But uh, this this episode today is about uh, a state that's not Oregon. That's sort of the whole point of this. Right, this, right, this right, aside. right. Also, I we would be criminally remiss if we didn't do one of my favorite things to do on this show. Friends and Neighbors, Super Producer Casey Pegram. I just love the sound cue. I love it too, but I've noticed we've drifted into a thing where we, well, Casey will be on mic, and it's not necessarily Casey on the case. So doesn't uh, have to be. It's a brave new world. It's a brave new world. It's just like uh, English is a living language that continually evolves. This show and the country in which we record it are continually evolving right. as well. Hey, I see where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah, because today our journey takes us to Kansas. In the 1920s, and we want to warn everybody, this is not a super happy, fun, feel-good story. No. No, it's really not. Really nothing good comes of this, Mm -hmm. um, other than the fact that it stopped happening eventually. Right. That is the happy ending. The it in question, Ben? The it in question, Noel, is the imprisonment of thousands of innocent people. Well, they were innocent by what we would consider criminal standards today— but morally, they were considered quite guilty. But not just people, Ben, women specifically, right. and, and poor women. Mm-hmm. So what's the scoop? So the 1920s in the U.S. sees the influx of many international influences because of people returning from World War I, which started in July of 1914 and went to November of 1918. And not to cast aspersion on these returning soldiers— but a lot of them didn't just bring an appreciation for foreign food or new sorts of architecture music back home with them. They also brought some diseases. That's right, because they couldn't keep their D's and their P's. Right. We're a family show. Uh, so what ended up happening is they returned home to their significant others or they met people in the States and they transmitted some of these diseases they had picked up. Yeah, things like syphilis, gonorrhea, Mm -hmm. things that genuinely posed um, not only a national health risk, Mm -hmm. but also a national security risk. I read this, the idea of it potentially preventing soldiers from being effective in battle. Right. Some of these diseases are no joke. They they, they debilitate you, like, severely. Mm -hmm. Especially as they progress, things like syphilis, right? And uh, then, you know, as we mentioned, there were a couple of other diseases in the mix, chlamydia, uh, the clap as well. Uh, And when this spike happened, it was noticeable. It was an outbreak. It wasn't just like two people in a town all of a sudden showed symptoms of gonorrhea when they were tested. And states started to panic. And Usually, unfortunately, uh, when human communities panic, we often tend to target the 
people with the least agency or the least power in a community. Or, or that, and when we panic, we, we tend to screw up and overshoot the mark a little bit, right? Yeah. So in an effort to uh, quash these potential outbreaks, um, in Kansas in particular, it was in 1917 that there was a uh, law passed called Chapter 205 known as the State of Kansas Quarantine Law. And what this essentially meant was anyone suspected of having a sexually transmitted disease, it basically gave public health officials um, an insane amount of leeway in Ooh. terms of, uh, hey, you you there, Ben, you, you're looking a little peaked today. I think you probably have gonorrhea into the cells with you. So before we go any further, let's clarify here. Uh, STDs transmit across the entirety of the gender spectrum. That's right. right? Mm -hmm. So this means that if Kansas and other states are so very concerned about the threat posed by STDs, they should be locking up everyone who has one, right? Yeah, that's right. Except we were just desperate for able-bodied men to fight in this, you know, horrific conflict. So it would be kind of counterproductive to lock up every man suspected of having one of these diseases, especially since the testing at the time, right. very inaccurate. The testing was nowhere near as sophisticated as testing methods today. Uh, additionally, there was this huge sexual double standard. You know what I mean? Talk about victim blaming. This, uh, we should also say, a lot of this information is coming from Nicole Perry, a University of Kansas researcher who dug into the story behind Chapter 205. So we've established the gist, right, the general way in which this occurred. But we should probably also mention that when they were taking women to court for these situations, uh, they would find excuses to intervene in, and then find out that they had STDs and then punish them like they would they would use charges like vagrancy. That's right. No, for sure. Um, and the thing about this, too, is these women didn't go to the state penitentiary because uh, the idea was that they would be abused uh, by the male inmates. So nearby, there was actually another facility called the Kansas State Industrial Farm, which was, in fact, a farm. But uh, is officially, an actual working farm. Yeah, but right? is officially listed as a prison. That's right, exactly. And um, the notion was that social reformers, um, as is uh, discussed in this article from KCUR, the faces of long gone women tell a new story of the Kansas State Prison. Um, social reformers believed that women that went there had the potential to be rehabilitated. But here's the thing in this article, there's a woman named Jennifer Moyer who got a grant from the state to set up a uh, an exhibit at the Lansing Historical Museum, which is this, this very small place in a, in a former train depot mm. on the actual prison grounds. And she got a hold of all these amazing intake photographs of inmates when they, you know, when they were um, admitted, I guess, when they male were, and in, female, in, when they incarcerated, were incarcerated, booked, booked yeah. exactly. And she noticed that. Um, Following the opening of this separate women's prison in the spring of 1917, it only had about 17 inmates mm -hmm. total, mm -hmm. uh, and that was pretty common in, in Kansas. But when Chapter 205 kicked in, it rose significantly to almost 400 women in the by, facility. By the end of that year. By the end of that year, and that continued to grow because, mm -hmm. you see, after the war ended, this statute— stayed on the books, and they kept using it to persecute women. Right. And in her research, uh, Jennifer Meyer finds 
short write-ups of interviews that the inmates uh, that the inmates had with the authorities. And this is how she learned that several things were happening as a result of this moral panic. Uh, one of those being that women were being rounded up in raids, and then some had been turned in by jilted lovers. Right. And, and, and just in general, they were profiled because like we said earlier, because those tests for these diseases were so inaccurate, sometimes you might have a public health official that says, oh, you're sexually active. Therefore, you must have an STD. Therefore, to the prison farm with you. And then also this magnifies the tragedy. Some women turn themselves in of their own accord because they had been exposed to an STD and treatment at the time was very expensive, uh, not to mention often not safe. Yeah, I think I, I, the term toxic came up a few mm-hmm. times. What are we talking here? Well, we have to remember this is the age before the widespread use of penicillin, right? So there are treatments of things like uh, sulfonilamide on gonorrhea and these things could work, but they could also be dangerous. You know, you're poisoning your body in some cases. Yeah, I saw another one too uh, for pre-penicillin treatment of gonorrhea that was something called cubebs, which is an Indonesian pepper Mm -hmm. um, that was turned into a powder and applied to the uh, affected area. And if you can imagine rubbing uh, a hot pepper on your genitals, that's not a fun sounding experience at all. I mean, to each their own, but yeah, I would say in general, that's that's not for me, at least. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off the That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. 
Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. So these people, if they were not well off financially, had no place to go to get treatment, not to mention the shame that could spread around town, right? Your reputation being key, especially in a small town. And the state of Kansas itself did not invest in free public health clinics at this time. So the closest many people could get to a free public health clinic is the farm. That's right. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it really is a pretty dire situation when you have someone in genuine need who has, has done nothing wrong and and potentially, you know, what had intercourse with someone who may have even known they had the disease and decided to keep that from the partner. You know, this happens all the time. Right. So you're literally victimizing people who are already victims. Exactly. Exactly. And not only victimizing them in this legal sense, but also in this uh, again, this moral sense that you are a woman of ill repute and so on. And as you said, and I think this is an important point, they were not held there for the rest of their lives. They were typically in for a matter of several months, right? Two or three months. We don't know what happens to a lot of them after they leave because there's no, there's just no paper trail, right? Except for in a few very isolated cases. And, um, these are young kids, too, like 16 to 22, I think. Yeah, and if you want to see some of these women, um, you know, and you're in the area, I, I highly recommend that you check out this exhibit at the Lansing Historical Museum because these images are incredibly stark. They're captured using very high-quality glass plate negatives, which I believe mm -hmm. is still like a fine art photography method that's used today. And they yield these very stark uh, black and white images. And in the article, the curator of this uh, museum, this exhibit, talks about how surprising it is that these images are so old um, and that it's very easy to look at these faces and and kind of identify and see yourself in them because mm -hmm. they really, you know, other than the dress, these are humans. And it's very striking to kind of see them because they, I'm looking at this one of a woman and she's in her profile shot, she's kind of like looks a little timid and is looking away. But in her head-on shot, she almost has like kind of a, a grin oh, on her face. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and and really, some of these, the clothes aren't even that dated looking, mm -hmm. other than just the little, you know, what do you call it, the the prison number and the you know the little tag that you hold up, look very much like a mugshot you might see today, only black and white. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the slate. There's a there's a very emotionally charged human element to this, and. It's tough to it's tough to overestimate the importance of these photographs in, in history, right? Because I don't know about you, Noel, but I'm, I'm pretty sure neither of us knew about this practice 
before we started examining it for this episode. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And we meant, we mentioned at the top of the show, and I think it, it goes without saying because of the military situation, but Meyer um, was asked how many men she found mm-hmm. uh, that had been incarcerated because of Chapter 205, and she said she couldn't find any. So I think that kind of goes without saying that, that men were kind of able to just get away with murder. Um, there's even a story about, you know, oh, I got a disease from my husband, mm-hmm. and he reported me just to like get rid of me. It's, it's this kind of witch hunt kind of situation. And the question that many of us are probably wondering at this point is how far did this go? How many people did Chapter 205 affect? Well, we can say that number of people at the penitentiary rose from 17 to 400 in the space of the year. Eventually, it led to around 5,000 women being imprisoned at the farm while the law was on the books between 1917 and? Uh, 1942. Insane. Yeah, that's wild. Because, you know, if it, if it was designed to or at least intended to, um, you know, help with this war situation, mm-hmm. It's interesting that it stayed on the books for so long after uh, as, as a means of kind of rounding up what might be considered as sinful women mm-hmm. in the eyes of like a possibly puritanical rule of law. And you can read some great articles about this, particularly on the University of Kansas website. There's a great article titled Researcher Documents Gender, Class Bias, and Quarantine Law Measures. And one thing that was pretty important to us in our research and with our research team looking at this was to note that the U.S. does have a history of quarantining, detaining, or interning citizens on its own soil. Right, exactly. Uh, The Justice Department actually oversaw the internment of more than, what was it, Ben, 30,000, more than 30,000 American civilians during Mm -hmm. World War II? Yeah, and this included more than 11,000 people of German descent. Yeah, just just because of their ancestry. Mm, uh, 3,000 due to their Italian ancestry. And then, of course, there were the U.S. citizens who were in Japanese internment camps as well. And not to mention the fact that in the 80s and 90s, during the HIV-AIDS epidemic, or when it first kind of came into the public consciousness, there was actually suggestion, consideration Mm -hmm. of rounding up those affected by that into some kind of quarantine situation. And we know that ultimately that did not occur. No. But the scary number for that is in 1991, 34% of the U.S. public supported the idea of quarantining people who had HIV. I mean, it's a similar situation to, you know, with the uh, STD panic that we're talking about in the 20s, where it is seen as a it's something new that they haven't experienced before and it's seen as a potential public health crisis so mm-hmm. you know people do stupid stuff when they panic but we do have a, a i guess a little bit of let's say light at the end of the tunnel of moral panic here because that 1991 stat we just mentioned changes over time and these stats are from a report from the psychology department of UC Davis. Um, there was another stat from 91 saying that as many as 29% of the population believed that names should be named. So talk about a witch hunt um, right. for, for those uh, suffering from AIDS and they should be made public. But um, in the span of just a handful of years, by 97, only one in six endorsed these kinds of policies and fewer than one in five uh, supported uh, doxing these people, for lack of a better expression, Mm -hmm. putting out these names. So, you know, and certainly the stigma surrounding STDs uh, has 
similarly changed in this country from the way it may have been in uh, mm-hmm. World War One. Yeah, one would hope that we are making progress, not just as a society, but as a species. Today, as we said, this law is no longer on the books in Kansas, but it is important to remember that things like this, crazy as they sound, really did occur. It's true. And and if we're doing a few stats, I, I think we should wrap with, with a pretty interesting one. Today, according to the American Sexual Health Association, one in two sexually active people will contract an STD or STI uh, infection by the age of 25. Of some sort. Of some sort, exactly. Yeah. And the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, estimate that in somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 million new instances of STDs occur every single year. The good news is, however, that there are multitudes of resources that can help you. If you have any concerns, you can go get free tests, right, in in a city near you. To steal a line from uh, that men's warehouse guy, I guarantee it. And, of course, you you hear it all the time. Just practice safe sex and just be smart about it. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of resources, like Ben said, and there's all kinds of ways to protect yourself from getting one of these things. So, you know, there you go. You know, Noel, it occurs to me that we have completed our Kansas episode, but there's so many other interesting stories about Kansas. Are we going to end up doing a thing where we have like four episodes about one state and one episode for other states? Well, I mean, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, you know, some states are greater than others in Mm. terms of the stories. (laughs) But we're trying to dig for all of them, man. We're not we're not going to uh, discriminate right. against the states up front. But discriminate. Yeah, that's good, Ben. That's not that no, great. Bad, that's not that I great. I liked it, though. I liked it. It was worth it, as you would say. And so we need your help. Let us know about the strange, little-known historical oddities you have discovered researching a particular state in the U.S. You can tell us about it on Instagram. You can tell us about it on Twitter. We would love if you tell us, along with your fellow Ridiculous Historian, about your research on our community page, Ridiculous Historians. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. 
like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And before we go, you, you know what, No, We've been on a kick about this lately. I say we double down and do some more listener mail. Is it because the episodes have been running short? <laughs> it's because this episode is shorter, yes. That's true, but it's a good one, you know? It's absolutely it's worthwhile. Very important, and it certainly was a darker time mm-hmm. in this country. But, you know, lest history repeat itself, always a good idea to kind of keep yeah. on top of, of the, the trends of the past. Yeah, and now without further delay, Casey, could you set us up for listener mail? So this is not our usual listener mail kind of thing, but I thought this was hilarious. And if you haven't seen it on Ridiculous Historians, uh, we wanted to share this with you. Uh, First, welcome to Nicole P. Uh, Nicole, you are a new member on the group, and you recently said, does anyone hate these Starbucks ads as much as I do? I feel like they're on every podcast and they make me want to flip over tables and burn down a Starbucks. Well, the joke's on you because the tables at Starbucks are bolted down, my friend. They thought about it. And uh, just reading the descriptions of this uh, opprobrium is so amazing. Uh, Melissa F. responds, not just you. I hate them with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. (laughs) Here's the thing, folks. We don't always have control over which ads get in our show, especially when they're ones we don't ourselves read or endorse. But you know what? They keep the lights on and they keep our mouths uh, talking into these here uh, microphone thingies. Just just one more, though. This is I'm reading these because I, you know, as a lover of language, I really respect a good turn of phrase. Uh, So Jerry M. agrees and says, yes, annoying and somehow semi-inappropriate, to which Nicole P. says, right? It's like being told I have to pee by someone trying to seduce me. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa. Oh, my good gracious. That's that's the closest we can get as a family show. I I really hope Starbucks isn't listening today. I hope they make an ad about it. Hey, you know what? It's fun. We we love Starbucks. Actually, I go, I yeah. go, I get my Starbucks. I get my bucks on mm-hmm. on the reg. And your point, your point about ads is right. We just we, we want to thank everyone listening for uh, being so supportive of our show and also being so consistently hilarious. Agreed. 
Okay, the next one is, uh, I don't know, I- I'm not walking it back, but it's a little mea culpa for me. We've got one from Cameron A. Uh, Hi, my name is Cameron. Uh, let me just say I love your show. I await every episode you guys put out. Um, if I use social media, I would join your groups, but I'm too busy for social media at the moment. However, regarding your latest episode at the time, this was the British soccer game where the Brits gave the Nazi salute, I was a little sad to hear you guys compare the United States to Nazi Germany. I do respect that you first began with not to get political, but uh, it still <laughs> made me feel a bit unwelcome as a listener of the podcast. Not uh, a huge Trump fan, a conservative libertarian, but uh, um, he is still our commander in chief and I wish him the best I can in his term as president. So I do just want to say that my uh, my st- statement there and our statement, there, I mean, it was I'm the one who said it and, and Ben backed me up. It was mainly just the idea of watching history repeat itself in terms of appeasement. I was not comparing America to Nazi Germany. I was more saying the the pieces that were laid that led to something like the Nazis being able to take power are strangely similar to what we're seeing with our administration right now in terms of letting things slide. That there's like sort of an escalating effect that that you can kind of get a sense of and maybe compare the two historical circumstances. I'm in no way implying that uh, Donald Trump is one-to-one with Adolf Hitler at all. And we are not a political show, but it was a parallel that I could not help but notice and felt and compelled to comment on. I see. Also, also, this this was interesting to me. First, Cameron, thank you for uh, your well-worded and pretty respectful email. Uh, but this reminded me of Godwin's Law. Do you know what that is? Gladwin's Law? No, Godwin. Oh. <laughs> no relation. Okay. <laughs> uh, G-O-D-W-Y-N. It's a weird thing that you may have heard if you're familiar with the internet. Godwin's Law, also called Godwin's Rule of Hitler Analogies, is this internet adage that says, as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Hitler approaches one, which this guy's argument is, no matter who you talk about, no matter what you talk about, if it's online, you talk about it long enough, at some point, Nazis are going to come up. Have you you seen this Teddy Ruxpin, this new online Teddy Ruxpin? It's just like (laughs) Nazi Germany. (laughs) It's pretty, the the pieces are there. Yeah. Uh, So, okay, if you're cool with it, maybe we end with... uh, with a funny email. Yeah, I think that's, that's smart. Cool? I think okay. that's smart. We go funny, heavy, funny. Yeah, like NPR, <laughs> which is true. That's their formula. Uh, we are also big NPR fans. It's true. So this email, everybody get your uh, ears ready for this. This email is called, How Could You Do It? That should be a segment. <laughs> from <laughs> from Noel L. Oh, cool. Namesake. N-O-E-L-L-E. Oh, well, whatever. Forget yeah. her. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be famous, friends. So, Noel, you wrote in to say, uh, I want to know how you could do a show on the epic song Louie Louie and speak of its supposed debauchery and impact on America's youth and not even mention one of the greatest covers of it, John Belushi and Animal House. That one scene defines everything that the mothers and fathers were worried the song was encouraging. Guys, it was a great show, but I kept waiting for you to at least mention this piece of American film history in connection with the song. You blew it, guys. Double secret probation for you. Noel L. I don't get the reference. I haven't seen Animal House. Animal House is great. Casey, have you seen Animal House? No, I haven't. But I, I do know the double secret probation thing because that was also like on the special edition when it came out. <laughs> it was the, the double secret probation edition. So so I've got I've to get you guys. We, we've got to have a pizza party and watch Animal House. I've never seen the Blues Brothers either. So I've got some real holes in my comedy uh, film history. You know, I watched the Blues Brothers when I was a kid. 
with, um, I guess, some relatives. And I think I just didn't get it. You know what I mean? I think a lot of it went over my head. But thank you so much for writing in, Noelle. And everyone else, let us know. If, if I've got to take Casey and Noel to a movie night sometime soon, should we go for Animal House or should we go for Blues Brothers? Or what about Blues Brothers 2000? I saw that one in the theater. Yeah, yeah I, I heard it was one. quite bad. And uh, yeah, you guys don't need to catch up on that one. Cool. There's actually an episode of How Did This Get Made about it. Um, if you want to check that show out with Paul Shear and June Diane Raphael and um, Jason Manzoukas. Paul Shear, who has actually been a guest on mm-hmm. our sister brother, Peer, Peer podcast, Movie Crush. Yep. And uh, Blues Brothers 2000 is ridiculously cameo heavy. So, uh, so I guess it depends on how you feel about cameos, but. Or what about the band cameo? Word up. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> the band cameo themselves. They don't get enough mentions. And that's why you tuned into Ridiculous History. So you can hear Cameo get the passing mention they deserve. Okay, I know we're in Tangent City right now. We need to wrap this up. But I have to say this because I was standing in line at the airport. Uh I was listening to Comedy Bang Bang, which I love. Sure. And there is a character. You know the show. They have different uh, improv actors playing characters coming on the show talking to Scott Aukerman. And one of them was – his character was the guy from Cameo. And every – he just speaks like, hello, Scott. Hello, Ben. Word up. And just like, that's how he speaks. And I'm like, I recognize that voice. Who and was it, it? It was Carl Tart, who used to be one of the co-hosts of our other cohort podcast, Culture Kings. Oh, he's the guy that got he's away. He's Comedy Bang Bang. He's, he's, he also plays the chief on Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, wow. Who's the Carmen Sandiego yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, pretty well, awesome. Congratulations, Carl. Maybe we could have him come on our show at some point. Who knows? I mean, we are pretty friendly with each other. And we do seem to be. Check out the recent episode with Robert Evans. I actually listened to it myself in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a fun little discussion about the racist origins of Oregon. Yeah. Robert Evans, the mastermind behind the new podcast, Behind the Bastards. It's true. Check it out. Check it out and let us know what you think. And tune in for our next episode when we explore Oscar Wilde, the morals of Victorian England, uh, the incredibly complicated fashion required of the time. And an infamous pair of uh, cross-dressers who set the hoity-toity world of late Victorian England ablaze. Thanks to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis, our research assistant. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. And most importantly, thanks to you for putting up with us two knuckleheads and digging the show. We'll see you next time. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.